welcome to the Eureka Street Crypto Podcast. Good morning, everybody. I'm Eureka John, and you're at Eureka Street Crypto, broadcasting from Leander, Texas. It is 6.04 in the morning on a Saturday. Um, It's July 9th, 2022. Why do I get up this early on a weekend when I don't have to? I woke up at 5.04 and I've been kind of just poking around and putting around the house this morning, um, you know, just and reading some Bitcoin articles and some crypto articles and just kind of catching up on news because this is what I do because this is the age I'm at now, you know, I got my dad flex going on. I'm getting ready to go skateboarding and do some Dawn Patrol um, skateboarding at the Brushy Creek Skate Park with a bunch of other old guys that wake up there in the morning too. I don't really know who they are, but I see them regularly and we give each other the nod, you know, <laughs> but it's just how it goes. Um, but yeah, uh, this is episode number 476. And if you're on the audio platform, I think it'd be like episode 146. Oh my God, my hair is just like, I just rolled out of bed and came downstairs. It's just, it's how I do it in the mornings. So sorry if it's not all together all the time or if the audio is off or some things. I'm just literally rolling out of bed and coming downstairs and doing this. Like, it's just like, yeah. And uh, this is my morning um, video blog, my brain dump of all the news and all the podcasts and everything that I listened to the day before or whatever. Uh, this is my sandbox for audiovisual stuff, and I try out lots of things. That's why you'll see and hear things that are wonky on here quite often um, because I'm usually tweaking something or another. And if it works, great. Um, if it doesn't, whatever. You know, it still gets uploaded, and I move on to the next episode. That's why there's 476 of them. Um, you know, you just, if something doesn't work out, um, it's just a honing process, it's a refining process. And if you've watched since the very beginning, you'll see that refining process going on on the long run. And then I'm also working on like my my presentation skills, my ability to articulate these concepts. And that is a skill in itself, just especially in a complex world um, such as cryptocurrency and being able to abstract out of some of these complex ideas and concepts that you have to learn about the consensus mechanisms, about zero-knowledge proofs. Uh, about proof of stake versus proof of work, um, even about the relationships and the political um, ties between all these different entities and where the funding has come from and connecting the dots of what's going on. And that is one thing that I've really been learning a lot more about lately, uh, which is kind of driving me, honestly, more and more towards Bitcoin. I'm kind of doing what the Bitcoiners call that Bitcoin horseshoe, where you start out, you know, back, I started in 20, 2018, where you start out with Bitcoin and then uh, you discover, you know, all these other altcoins because you go on CoinMarketCap or Coin, you know, whatever indexes all this stuff is, uh, you know, CoinGecko, uh, CoinPaprika, whatever. You see these lists of tokens. And uh, you start discovering all these projects and you, you read all these white papers and you're just like super enthused and you go and you go explore all this stuff, you know, and then, you know, you're such on a high and you have this merit badge sash full of all these tokens that you've collected and, uh, you know, all these, you know, going to go to the moon type of tokens. And then they all crash, like most of them end up as scams uh, or go to zero because it, the idea fizzled out. And you find yourself back to Bitcoin. And it's kind of where I'm finding myself now. I still like Ethereum and I still love my DAOs that I'm a part of. Uh, Bankless DAO being a, my main DAO that I'm a part of. I have a lot of projects going on. There's a lot of innovation and a lot of ideas. 
I've you know been part of the AV guild since day one there, and uh, I've learned so much about you know audio visual stuff and how to produce podcasts and worked with teams of people and it's been amazing. So I wouldn't trade that for anything. So there's a lot of value that comes out of all these other token projects and DAOs and you know things built on Ethereum. I'm not saying that, but as far as me just like saving money and uh, you know kind of hedging against what's going on with the dollar right now um, I'm gearing more and more towards Bitcoin you know and then for my professional development and things like that I love being in these DAOs and I love participating in these DeFi programs and learning and seeing the innovation and the attempts at, uh, at all this creativity to implement it and put it into practice so that's one thing that I love about what the Bitcoiners call the shite coins you know, um, not everything is total shite, you know, like, and I'm trying not to cuss on the program, but, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of it are just ideas and people poking around projects and innovations and stuff like that. And I love that creativity. I'm a, I'm a poker and prodder. I love to, to play around with stuff. I heard on a podcast yesterday, uh, can't, Robert Breelove was interviewing this guy, Corey something. He's a total Bitcoin maxi, but uh, they were talking about science versus engineering and science is like the whole idea of um, you are um, playing around with everything out there. You're testing everything out there to see what happens. So there's really no end in insight. You are just poking around all the different, the, uh, the means are the end in science. But for engineering, the end is what you're, you're really pointing towards. And if you discover something on the way there through the means, that's great. But you have an end goal in mind. You want to make some particular thing work. And that's kind of the difference between science and engineering. And um, that's kind of me whenever I'm, uh, you know, poking around a lot of these projects. I'm coming at it from more of just like a scientist perspective, just poking around, looking at what works and, you know, what doesn't. And I don't really have an end in mind where Bitcoin is kind of like my end. My end is to save money. And I, I do believe Bitcoin has like truth and value in it. So anyway, that's just my personal philosophy on it. What's yours? You know, that's just like my opinion, man. Um, anyway, so yeah, let's go over here to CoinGecko. Oh yeah, and uh, so video blog, sandbox, brain dump, uh, my message in a bottle. This is this video program. Um, this video blog is my message in a bottle to the rest of the crypto community, to the crypto curious out there, and to anybody that, you know, some people just watch this because they want to see what uh, what John's doing. You know? <laughs> so, hey, you know, to those of you out there who just know me personally and you see me talk sometimes about my podcast, well, welcome to it. This is the, the shite show that is my podcast, and uh, it can be quite embarrassing at times, um, and I cringe at my own self. And but uh, this is part of my learning and development process and me trying to push myself out there to the extremes um, to uh, to to learn new things, to expand my mind, expand my horizons, to try to um, really digest sometimes things that I really don't agree with. And I, I read it anyway, just to try to see another perspective and point of view in this world. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, but yeah, this is my playground. All right. So let's uh, go over here to CoinGecko. And you can go to CoinGecko, CoinMarketCap, CoinPaprika, CoinCodex, whatever coin listing of your choice website. Uh, mine is CoinGecko um, because I just have an affinity for the little uh, gecko mascot icon. Um, and uh, yeah, I always have it in night mode because... Um, <laughs> 
the the day mode whoever who anybody that watches things on day mode um yeah what is wrong with you <laughs> like seriously it's just especially if you're on your phone at night or whatever you know you probably shouldn't be sitting in bed on your phone at night because the blue light like this apparently disrupts your brain waves and your your dreams and all the stuff uh, but uh, i watch things in night mode um but uh, but if you watch things in day mode, you're probably a psychopath. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, Bitcoin's at $21,732.03. It's up 12% in the past week. Uh, Ethereum's up 14.5%. I recently have been consolidating a lot of my stuff, just like random shite coins that I've had from all my, like I said, my merit badge full of projects. And I've, I've been, you know, <clears throat> trying to kind of, organize the chaos of all this dump that's happened and i've finally gotten to a place where i can do that i'm uh, consolidating a lot of stuff cashing it out at a loss or whatever into usdc and i'm just dumping things into bitcoin and ethereum and that's it mainly bitcoin at this point um i mean i'm mining ethereum but uh you know i just I'm I'm just putting things into Bitcoin. I'm I'm trying to to clean up clean up my mess, you know? And uh yeah, so it's 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 turning into, you know, a decent accumulation and um yeah, it, it but it's just hap just so happens yesterday when I was cleaning everything up, you know, Bitcoin decides to pump, you know, like <laughs> up to 21,000. I'm like, "Dude, ah, man, why couldn't I have done this a few days ago when things were at 19,000?" Um, so yeah, but the Bitcoin's at 21,000. So I'm going to wait to see if we can dump again. So where I can, you know, uh, convert, um, those, those projects that I've already converted to stable coin. And then that's what stable coins are. Stable coins is like, for instance, Tether and USDC right here. They are pegged to $1. Binance USD pegged to $1. And we have DAI down here pegged to $1. They are all $1. And that's what stable coins do. That's their job to be $1, to be a crypto dollar. So that way you can, you know, wait and you can look at the market and be like, okay, everything's really pumping up right now. Um, it's, it's, it's a good time to sell this. I will sell this and I will have it sit in a dollar or, uh, I want, I have this dollar that I brought in from my bank account to the crypto market, but everything's super pumpy right now. So I want to wait until everything dips, then I will buy. So you have this stable coin that's kind of like sitting there waiting in the wings, you know, or, or I've used the analogy of adult swim, you know, you wait till the waters are, are a little calmer you know, until you can, you know, dive into the crypto market, you know, and, uh, it's like adult swim, you know, at the neighborhood pool, you, you have your stable coins sitting on the side, you know, just waiting, you know, like the kids, you know, sitting there clamoring to jump back in the water, you know, like all hopped up on Kool-Aid. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, that's the purpose of the stable coin. Um, listen, Solana's got a 17.2% pump in the last week. Uh, Shiba Inu, the 13.2% pump. Avalanche, 24.2%. I cleaned up some stuff on the, uh, Avalanche DeFi. Um, and uh, yeah, Polygon up 29.5%. There's a lot of stuff going on on Polygon right now. Um, yeah, everything is up. But of course, you know, everything crashed quite a bit. So it's not really like it's up. It's kind of like trying to find its way back to where it was. Um, but um, yeah, so Bitcoin's at 12%. And uh, um, we should be expecting another major 
fairly major crash is what a lot of people are saying. And why? Uh, well, it has something to do with a hack a long time ago called Mt. Gox. And uh, it just so happened that those funds were frozen up and um, they've been trying to figure out the best way to redistribute some of the recovered funds. And so they have 150,000 of those Bitcoin that have been recovered and uh, they will be released starting in August. So that could crash the market. So it could, because it could flood the market as Mt. Gox creditors set to receive repayment. Um, so let's re read this article. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of Mt. Gox because for the longest time when I was learning about Bitcoin and crypto, a lot of you know insiders and or just people that knew were more knowledgeable about the crypto space would throw around these terms all the time you know oh yeah mount gox this you know throwing around all these terms and i could barely understand what the entire podcast was about but what i do and what i know from language studies i've studied several uh, several languages and um i I know that you just have to expose yourself to the language, whether or not you understand what's going on until you get to a point where you can kind of make sense of things. And that's the same thing with going into the crypto market as well and learning about blockchain and consensus mechanisms and zero knowledge proofs and you know, sharding and all that other stuff. And you know, that you have to just kind of expose yourself to the language and the context in which those words are used and you'll eventually pick it up. I used to, when I first was getting into crypto, would just put on these crypto podcasts on my, my headphones and I would go running or whatever I was doing and I would just listen and I would understand maybe 10% of what they were saying. And um, I didn't even know what KYC or AML was. You know, that's know your customer and anti-money laundering. And those are some things that you have to do a lot of times whenever you sign up for an exchange, you have to go through that process. Well, I didn't know that. And people would throw around terms like that and jargon. And uh, it, you just have to a lot of times expose yourself to a language repeatedly over and over again. Then you will start to understand the context. And that's basically what this show is, is me trying to be able to articulate a lot of these concepts that I'm hearing and me practicing verbalizing them outwardly. Um, so anyway, um, they, a lot of, one of those terms that they would throw out was Mount Gox and they constantly say, Oh, Mount Gox, this Mount Gox, that is because of Mount Gox, you know, or what's going to happen when you know, the, with Mount Gox. And it's so finally, I was listening to a podcast and somebody gave, did the courtesy of telling me what Mount Gox was. So if, I'm going to do the same courtesy to you as well. 150,000 Bitcoin could flood the market as Mt. Gox creditors set to receive repayment. Mt. Gox is one of the most pivotal moments in Bitcoin history, and it happened in 2014. The specter of Mt. Gox returned to haunt the markets with the prospect of 150,000 Bitcoin flooding the market as the attorney appointed as the Mount, as the trustee in the Mt. Gox rehabilitation process all but confirmed that he was preparing to begin repayments to account holders of the doomed exchange. Um, the Mt. Gox fiasco, <clears throat> a little summary, the Mt. Gox implosion was the biggest test faced by the crypto space back in 2014 when the cryptocurrency exchange imploded and lost to hundreds and thousands of Bitcoin. The incident saw the loss of over 800,000 Bitcoin. Ah, wow. And they only recovered 150,000 and made available to account uh, holders, right? Um, the development comes as the sort of compensation for the users helping them cut some of their losses. Um, so potential market impact. Okay, so with the while the reimbursements have been a long time coming, there are now concerns that it could have a negative impact on the already stressed market. 
In 2014, one Bitcoin was only a fraction of the asset's current price, leading to genuine fears that recipients could immediately sell large amounts of Bitcoin as they receive it, leading to significant pressure on prices. So I'm sitting there talking about Bitcoin dips and I'm talking about, you know, like selling off some of my altcoins and then putting them in Bitcoin. And then, you know, the second that I decide to do this, the Bitcoin market pumps, you know, and it's pumping because uh, some people speculate that it's because Celsius was able to repay MakerDAO and some of its loans. So a lot of that stuff won't so won't be completely uh, liquidated and all that. Uh, and that's a whole other thing. And, and if you don't know about Mt. Gox, you probably don't know about Celsius, but we've had some a series of crises lately where a lot of these centralized finance um, companies like Celsius and BlockFi and all that stuff are crashing, um, you know, for various reasons because they were, you know, way over leveraged and due to all this market volatility, they found themselves in a little predicament and a pickle. Um, well, it just so happens that Celsius might be able to recover from that. And now that's kind of pumped the, the confidence and the price of Bitcoin back up. Um, so yeah, things are volatile, but anyway, I'll get to that in a second. Um, anyway, back to this, um, Mt. Gox release. So the, 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 uh, rehabilitation efforts and the repayments of the Mt. Gox Bitcoin that was lost has been taking years to resolve. And so finally <clears throat> there's going to be a resolve, on, uh, a resolve on it. And of the 800,000 Bitcoin, 150,000 of the Bitcoin have been recovered and they will be distributed back to account holders. Um, so let's see here. Um, so they, uh, so they're worried that this could set some kind of, you know, another type of black swan event. So a lot of people are setting their little Twitter alarm bells and all that stuff for when the payouts resume because the, the, the they say the Bitcoin's market's going to crash. Um, I mean, Sounds like a buying opportunity if that's the case, but um, you know, not everybody sees things that way. And uh, yeah, you know, so but there there could be efforts to mitigate the potential impact. According to the document, the trustee could impose a period where creditors receiving Bitcoin would not be able to move the funds. The rehabilitation trustee may set a period during which the assignment, transfer, succession, provision as collateral or disposition by other means of rehabilitation claims are prohibited. Um, so, yeah, according to sources, after discussions with the court and in accordance with the re rehabilitation plan, the trustee would put the restriction reference period from the end of August of current year until all or part of the repayments are completed. So an indefinite time period for repayment. <clears throat> and then um, a news of the, the news of the payouts did not have any impact on the price of Bitcoin. Um, <clears throat> however, news that the crypto lending platform Celsius had repaid its loan to Maker sent the assets price past 21000 So we've been sitting at 19000 maybe 20 sometimes, poking it. But, but over the past like two or three weeks, now suddenly things are 21000 That's because Celsius, who's been in hot water, um, has... has uh, you know, re, is, is, was able to repay its loan to Maker instead of going solvent. So Celsius coming under intense criticism for pausing all user withdrawals over the past month, thanks to liquidity pressures, was able to fully pay off a loan on the Maker protocol, freeing up $440 million of collateral on Thursday. Uh, Maker is one of the largest decentralized finance platforms in the crypto space. So they were able to free up all that collateral and people found out that their Bitcoin is safe. So things are pumping in that way. Um, so yeah, but, um, 
let's go back to Mt. Gox. <clears throat> so let's see this article here. Um, this is an article from September of 2018. And I found this article whenever I was kind of just looking at the history of Mt. Gox. And it, I like to read old, old articles sometimes because it kind of gives you an insight on the current the stuff that's going on. I guess that's Tokyo right there. Yeah. All right, so um, over $1 billion worth of Bitcoin out of circulation since 2014 will be reabsorbed into the market soon. This is back in 2018. And some say this will cause the market to crash. So as you see, there's always these series of events of everybody saying, oh my God, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, right? You know, it's kind of that, that fable that we've been hearing since we were kids. Um, and you, you just stop believing that the sky is falling after a while, you know? So anyway, um, I'm referring to the money that was stolen from, from Mt. Gox, one of the world's, once the world's most famous Bitcoin exchange in early 2014 lost 850,000 Bitcoins, according to this article, worth 460 million at the time. So now 850,000 Bitcoins, let's see what that would be worth. I know that um, the 150,000 Bitcoins that are going back into circulation in August um, that will be worth, I think about $3 billion, uh, if I'm correct. Um, uh, so, but let's see what 850,000 times, let's say 21,000 right now. Uh, that's, that's a, a number, one trillion seven hundred eighty-five billion. I think I, 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 it gives me on the calculator, these types of numbers, you know, with the little abbreviations, I'm, I have a bachelor's of science, but uh, I, it's been a long time since I've <laughs> had to to use these long number abbreviations like this. So I don't know. Um, so <laughs> it's a lot of money. <clears throat> uh, anyway, a large number of Bitcoins were recovered, although by no means all. And they were put in the care of Nobuaki Kobayashi. He, he holds in the region of $1.9 billion worth of Bitcoin, enough to seriously mess up the market if it all was released. If it all were released. Sorry. Uh, I'm... Um, for example, he sold he sold 18,000 Bitcoin in February, and this did indeed cause a problem. That was in February 2018. Um, anyway, let's take a look over here at the old... Uh, there's a good history um, of Bitcoin. A brief history of Mt. Gox right here. Um, the $3 billion Bitcoin tragedy that just won't end. Um, the seven. This was in 2019. This was written. The 740,000 Bitcoin from its users is worth three billion today. A hell of a lot more now. Um, like I said, about 1.7.85 trillion. Mount Gox's ex-owner Mark Capelle, I, I think is how you say it, or Capelles, Capel. You know, I don't know. It's a French word. Um, is due facing court in Japan this Friday. This was in 2019, which means a long-running case of its missing Bitcoin is reaching a crescendo. It's been over five years since Mt. Gox filed for bankruptcy, and it is a pretty messed up story. Uh, Mt. Gox was one of the first Bitcoin exchanges on the web, but it wasn't always related to cryptocurrency. Back in 2007, programmer Jed McCaleb, who is a very famous person in the crypto space and uh, the founder of Ripple, uh, which is XRP. And if you know anything about crypto, you see those XRP army people. They are very, very tribal about their token project. Uh, it's kind of a globalist coin. Um, a lot of people say it's not even a blockchain. Um, it's just kind of like this... 
you know, banker's token and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really a fan. Although that was one of the very first cryptocurrencies along with Bitcoin that I bought back in 2018 because back in that day, I was very dubious about all this stuff and uh, I saw that the you know, um, XRP was going to be involved with MoneyGram and American Express and all that stuff. I was like, okay, that's legit, you know, and so I bought it and I ended up losing the keys to that wallet, <clears throat> which had some XRP, which I would have done very well because I had quite a bit of XRP back then, um, but whatever, you know, you live and learn, crash and burn, you know, so... Um, anyway, back in 2007, programmer Jed McCaleb purchased the Mt. Gox domain for an online trading platform for virtual cards used in Magic, the game Magic the Gathering. So, yeah, according to Wikipedia, Wikipedia, so yeah, in January 2007, he purchased the, the donate, I can't talk, don, domain name, mtgox.com, short for Magic the Gathering. Okay, let me start over. In January 2007, he purchased the domain name mountgox.com, short for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange, um, initially in beta release. Sometime around late 2007, the service went live for approximately three months before Jed McCaleb moved on to other projects. I remember I was in. I liked Magic the Gathering. I wasn't super into it. My older brother Kelly, he was really into Magic the Gathering, and he still has a lot of cards to this day of the original Magic the Gathering cards. Um, apparently there were something, you know, but people used to trade those back and forth. They used to sell them. They used to sell them on eBay and all that stuff. And apparently he made an online exchange to be able to sell those cards back and forth. You know, that's back in the late nineties, um, early to mid two thousands, you know, when they, these, these, uh, cards were, were really these, these card games were really popular. I guess 2007 was kind of like near the end of all the Magic the Gathering stuff. I was into it kind of back in like 1998, 99, 2000 maybe. Anyway, um, so having decided it was not worth his time, in 2009 he reused the domain name to advertise his card game The Far Wilds. All right, so in July 2010, McCaleb read about Bitcoin on Slashdot and decided that the Bitcoin community needed an exchange for trading Bitcoin in regular currencies. On July 18th, Mt. Gox um, launched its exchange and price quoting service, deploying it on the spare Mt. Gox domain name. So Bitcoin back then was kind of an afterthought. They're like, ah, we need a website for this. I got this Mt. Gox one over here. Yeah, we'll use that. Ended up becoming like the exchange where like uh, 70%, over 70% of all Bitcoin transactions were taking place on Mt. Gox. Yeah, so yeah, it's like the in the Ethereum world, the My Ethereum wallet was the very first interface to be able to buy and sell Ethereum as well if you weren't a programmer. You know, so it's kind of like the same thing. It's like one of these first exchanges to really buy and sell on if you weren't some kind of programmer. Um, so anyway, uh, let's go back to this this uh, history, brief history of um, Mt. Gox article. So Mt. Gox was one of the first Bitcoin exchanges on the web, but it wasn't always related to cryptocurrency. Back in 2007, Jeb McCaleb purchased Mt. Gox domain name for an online trading platform for virtual cards using the, Magic, the game Magic the Gathering. Fast forward a few years to 2010, McCaleb saw an opportunity to create a place for people to exchange their fiat currency to and from Bitcoin on July 8th. 18th, 2010, Michaelib launched mountgox.com in the form that we came to know it as a Bitcoin exchange. Michaelib's involvement in Mt. Gox as a Bitcoin exchange was short-lived. He sold the platform to French-born develop, 
developer Mark Capelle about a year after he got his idea off the ground. Uh, Mark Capelle, um, I don't know if I'm saying that word. It's going to drive me nuts. Uh, Capelle? Uh, anyway, it was under the control of Mark Capellus at the Mount Gox that Mount Gox would witness a series of hacks and scandals. Although I was reading in some articles that some things were already happening, um, some you know mischievous activity was already happening even under the control of Jed McCaleb. Um, so yeah, both these people just kind of seem like bumbling egghead programmers and they're not business people. They just wanted to figure out a way to be able to exchange stuff online. Yeah. Uh, so I don't really think that either of them, I don't think that Capellas was a criminal, even though he did get arrested as a criminal. I don't know. But, um, you know, I don't know a whole lot about this. I know about as much as you do. So, um, but, um, so yeah, but it wasn't without becoming, so yes, Mt. Gox would witness a series of hacks and scandals that would lead to the platform's eventual demise, but it wasn't without becoming the world's leading Bitcoin exchange by 2013. At one point, Mt. Gox was handling around 70% of the world's Bitcoin trades by volume. The first major crisis for Mt. Gox came in 2011 after Carpellus took over. Uh, Mt. Gox claimed a compromised user account was exploited to make the price of Bitcoin fall from $17 to just seven to just cents in a matter of minutes, RS Technica reported. The price crash was exclusive to Mt. Gox, and the hack did not affect the underlying Bitcoin protocol. So that's what happens at these points of centralization. When you have 70% of transactions going through one point, that's a centralization point. And I've noticed throughout my time in cryptocurrency Every time that something happens in Bitcoin to where it becomes the even the, the slightest bit centralized, Bitcoin will shake it up, you know, churn it around and spit it out and then recorrect itself. And that's one of the beauty about Bitcoin. It's kind of like its own little life form and it always chews up and spits out all these centralization points and it continues to do so. That's why I've kind of starting to see over time this reliability and trust that Bitcoin has. Every point of centralization that has occurred, Bitcoin has found a way to chew it up and spit it out. So, yeah. Um, so this was a slow burn. All these things that were happening in Mt. Gox, it wasn't just like suddenly Mt. Gox got hacked. Bam! You know, it was like the, the decline of the Roman Empire. It's It was, you know, it's, it's, it's just like this... Yeah, it, it, there's really no beginning or end point. Just a lot of crap was happening. Um, so um, another report stated about 25,000 coins were presumed missing or stolen from 478 different user accounts. These coins were valued at over 8.5 million at the time. Mt. Gox admins took the exchange offline while they tried to rectify it. This was a process that would become all too common for the exchange over the years between, between 2011 and 2013. There was a string of breaches, hacks, scandals, lawsuits that would plight the exchange and eventually lead to its foreclosure. Um, on February 4th, 2014, Coindesk held a poll to find out how many Mt. Gox users had experienced these withdrawal issues. In some cases, the users still hadn't received their funds even weeks after they'd requested it. A Bitcoin talk forum amassed over 3,000 posts that featured claims of being unable to access Mt. Gox funds. Um, on February 7th, 2014, Mt. Gox canceled all Bitcoin trading, froze accounts, and took a step back 
to take stock of what was going on. They're like, hold on a second. <laughs> Ten days later, the exchange published a statement. It claimed it had rectified the situation and that it was now on the course to correct customer losses and resume trade. But by the end of the month, Mark Capellas had stepped down from his role at the Bitcoin Foundation. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa hold on. Uh, disclosed over 740,000 of users Bitcoin, $2.9 billion of 2019 value. That is a buttload now. Like I said, pretty much a trillion bucks. <clears throat> had been stolen in a hack and it claimed it in a hack that it claimed had been going on for years at the time the amount valued was around a half a billion dollars on february 28 2014 the exchange accepted its fate and filed for bankruptcy in tokyo it would also file for bankruptcy in the u.s later in march after 18 months of legal proceedings and attempted court-led restructures carpellis was arrested on embezzlement charges um, in August 2015, authorities claimed Carpellis had manipulated Gox computer programs to manipulate its balance sheet in order to artificially increase funds in one of its accounts. <laughs> Sounds like yeah, one of those. Have you ever seen that movie Office Space? You know where Michael Bolton was just like, you know, if we just sit there and change the decimal point on one, and then we have a on just a fraction of a penny and automatically funnel to our account, then we'll be rich. And then it happens that they had the decimal decimal point off, and then suddenly over one. One night they had two hundred fifty thousand dollars in their account and they're all freaking out. It kind of sounds similar, you know. But the, whether or not you know Carpellis did this, um, you know, purposefully or if he was just kind of just like a, a goofy programmer that you know was buckling under the pressure of being the number one Bitcoin exchange in the world, and he's just like, holy crap, what did it? Did it yeah. So anyway. Carpellis continues to maintain his innocence. At a recent trial, he said in Japanese, I swear to God that I'm innocent. You know, I don't know how you say that in Japanese. So since Carpellis' arrest, Mt. Gox creditors have faced an arduous journey. It took until August of last year, this is back in 2019, for things to start finally start looking up for the victims of the scandal. Many creditors were forced to take it upon themselves to campaign for their Bitcoin back, but not long after the news broke that stated Mt. Gox litigators were finally prepped to repay those that had been affected by the collapse of the once dominant exchange so now let's fast forward to today and uh, we have the you know one billion dollars one billion dollars worth of uh, bitcoin getting ready to flood the market and you can see this all over twitter people are you know being uh, very very uh uh pessimistic about the price of bitcoin and uh you know, coming up here, they say, oh, my God, it's going to just further crash the market. The sky's falling. This is another case of the sky's falling. So I don't know. Is the sky going to fall because Mt. Gox is going to release 150,000 Bitcoin? Or will this be a buying opportunity? Um, I personally am going to try to scoop up as much Bitcoin as possible. And, um, yeah, we will see. Um, you know, what happens after that? But, um, you know, like I said, I'm becoming more and more of a Bitcoiner um, the longer I spend in the crypto space. And yes, I do like innovation. I like Ethereum. I, I love all these, you know, Web3 ID projects going on, the Metaverse projects, the NFT projects. They're all amazing and cool. And I have fun with them. Um, but uh, as far as, you know, truth and stability and, uh, you know, yeah, um, something that does not have some uh, you know, charismatic CEO at the top of it. Um, well, Bitcoin is my go-to.
All right, that being said, I'm going to go ride my skateboard for a little while. You know, 46-year-old man out there, and I still skate as much as possible multiple times a week, and I never stopped. So, all right, I will talk to you all, I don't know, maybe tomorrow. We'll see. Bye. Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically. If you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1. That's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. Thanks again.